of them now! Stop it! He'll hear you! everybody this is 100 lunatics the podcast Hi, everybody. that honors horror please don't ever talk over me again um i am your horror loving host daniel and with me is my cousin horror ignorer nathan horror hater all right horror hater horror underappreciator yeah horror truth bringer ooh ooh no that's no, what no. i'm going to say there's no I there's am, no ring to that at all horror truth bringer i keep horror honest well, that's true. You do keep horror I, honest. I try to keep it honest. It's pretty deceptive. It's it's pretty consistently awful. So you can only do so much, but you try. You try. That's right. And the movie tonight, part two of the Kruger Saga, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. It's 1985, Nathan. That's only a year after the original. Uh, that's what they do. Yeah. Do you yeah, have they the? They uh, released them. What was the release date? It's probably October thirtieth or something. November first, nineteen eighty-five. Two days off. That's right. Running time eighty-five minutes. Nathan, do you have the budget and box office? I don't. Ooh, it's usually the only thing that you care about. I'm surprised that you don't. I do. You want to take a guess at what it is? I would say uh, the first movie was one point eight million. That's right. I would say that the second movie was given probably double that. So let's let's say let's round it up to five. Let's say it got a five million dollar budget. Mm, three million. Oh. Yeah, it did get I amped up. I guess they would have rounded down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I was right to say more than the original. All right. How about how much it took in? It took in more than the original. Original took in what forty million something like that. Uh, I think it was 26. Oh, sorry. That was Friday the 13th. It took down 40. That's right. Or 38 or whatever it was. Um, but this one did 25, or the first one did 25, 26. Yeah. I'd say the hype would automatically increase it, but typically I don't think these franchises really hit their solid numbers until three or four. So I'm going to say this one grossed. 42. 30 million. Ah! Just barely more than the original. Gave it too much credit. Yeah. But I bet you the third and fourth one have a significant increase. Well, it did. Well, it made all its money back in its opening weekend, and I think after that, uh, talk hit the town, and people were like, I don't think this movie follows the same rules as the original. But most important thing to note here, Wes Craven, not involved. Not involved at all. He walked away after the first one. Robert Shea, of course, took this and ran with it. Jack Shoulder directed it. Robert England is back as Freddy Krueger, of course. And Mark Patton is, is our lead. A rare male lead. Yeah, in a horror movie, eh? Mm-hmm. You want to hear, uh, hear the old synopsis? Want me to... 
cue in I our viewers. This, I thought this it? was the synopsis. I thought you were just doing a boring synopsis. <clears throat> oh, no, 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 no. That was just a little, uh, <laughs> just wanted to let everyone know that Wes Craven's not involved in this one. And, okay. uh, well, yeah, we'll get to what happens in that whole story uh, with the next Nightmare movie. But here we go, Nathan. I think you'll like this. Five years after nearly being destroyed by Nancy's refusal to acknowledge his dominion, a reinvigorated Freddy Krueger plots a new path to power through the Walsh family that now inhabits the old Thompson house. The focus of Freddy's return? Jesse Walsh. A rare male horror film lead who begins to embody Krueger's will in the waking world. Dream lines are blurred as Freddy and Jesse merge into a single entity, literally transforming Freddy into physical reality. Thanks to Jesse's intuitive decision to refrain from carnal knowledge with his girlfriend and misdirect Kruger's attention toward homosexual red herrings, Jesse and Lisa's powerful, pure love blindside the nightmare netherlord back into oblivion. For now. Huh? Um, I don't know. I think mine's Flawless. better. Flawless. You want to hear mine? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. The Revenge of Glenn Lance. Mm. Otherwise, a.k.a. Jesse's Girl. Right? Huh? Jesse's Girl. Jesse's Girl. The actor who played Jesse put forth a valiant effort as he battled with Freddy and exposed that Freddy needs a vessel combined with fear belief in order to exist. You see, Daniel, that's why Glenn had to die. I was right about him. Freddy tried to use him as a vessel, but the fear belief wasn't there. So he used the mom instead and then trapped Nancy in the dream world and made her go crazy. Huh? Mm, that, that all checks out. Huh? The second installment leaves you craven for more. <laughs> I like that. That was the best part of that. <laughs> Are you making Jim Carrey faces right now? I feel like you're making Jim Carrey faces to yourself. Ooh, I, you did tell me before that you would like some uh, questions or perhaps a little quiz. Oh, so I should shut up. I uh, I have five questions prepared for you. Really? Are you laying them on me now, or are you going to lay them on me in the end? Uh, I'm going to lay them on you right now. Okay, fucking do it. All right. I've been studying. All right. During the actual release of Freddy's Revenge, people constantly compared Kim Myers, who plays Lisa, they compared her looks to which other celebrity actress? Hmm. The girl that Jim Carrey falls in love with in The Truman Show. Mm, no. Meryl Streep. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> what does Jesse's dad think is the real reason that the parakeet bursts into flames? I don't remember. I remember being too too disgusted by his ignorance as a, in, in general. <laughs> He's a very ignorant character. He thinks that Jesse planted a cherry bomb on it. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, see? He's so ignorant. <laughs> the man is... He needs to be shot. I was praying for him to get, to get it. I, I wanted him to get it. I like the actor, though. I like the way these, the actor plays him, though. Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's, he's douchey. He's like a kick in the ass. 
Yeah, no, he he plays it really, really good. He's he's very douchey with it, and I like that he was douchey. But I also wanted him to get it. Oh yeah, See, that's what this horror movie failed to do. Mm-hmm. It failed to kill the douche. The cocky douche was the father. Ooh, good point. It failed to live up to the trope. It didn't get tropey. How many children does Lisa say Freddy lured back to the power plant boiler room and killed? A hundred? Twenty. Man. <laughs> oh, here are oh and three. Yep. What is the name of the cereal Jesse's sister is eating at breakfast at the beginning of the movie? Ugh. Fuck off. <laughs> Cheerios. Fu Man Chews. Oh yeah. Great. Alright. That's really essential. This this one is really important that you get this one. Okay. Think about what one of my biggest pet peeves is and name the scene that I can barely tolerate watching. Mm. If you don't get it, then we'll get to it in the walkthrough. Mm. Can you leave that one open ended? Sure. Like in, I have like to, in case I you have get reminded to, that, along my, the way. Wait, yeah, that's my mission. I have to find it. All right, that's your mission. Okay. Find it. All right. Find that okay, scene. Do it. Yeah. Rock and roll. Let's go. Let's go. Walk through. Boom. Let's fucking do this. You've got the body. I've got the brain. We open up on Mark Patton, and he is driving in the school bus, and I turn to Chelsea and say, that kid comes across like he's going to walk into a school in a trench coat. <laughs> they dressed him up really nerdy in the back of the bus or in his he dream or whatever. Looks, he comes across emotionally unstable like a psychopath. Like dead eyes, and, pocket protector. Yeah, like dead eyes. But in the end, though what I consider it is that he prepared himself for where the character was going and not really, I mean, I think they, they casted him because he comes across emotionally unstable and he does a pretty good job of, you know, acting unstable. (laughs) Yeah. He does a pretty good job in this as a scream King, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. But I would argue that the performance isn't as good as you initially think it is just because he's constantly playing to what, you know, to that level of tension all the time. Yeah. And a lot of the actors around him don't know, aren't aren't giving him a lot and aren't really going there with him. So it's kind of, it just comes across like he's, he's just vibrating at that level the whole time. And I don't know, there's a few times where he pulls off the, the gas and acts like a normal kid and it kind of comes across as weird well just you know whatever opening scene he's on the bus he comes across very creepy Mm -hmm. and all the people get off the bus except for him and two girls the two girls look back they're making fun of him like you go sit with him or you go talk to him Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it's in this like fucked up dream landscape and freddie's driving the bus right did you notice that robert england is driving it at the beginning with no makeup on no. Okay. And irrelevant. <laughs> and they get, he drives off road. He gets real busy with that with that bus too. Man, he hurls that thing around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I just want to say right off the bat with this movie that um, there is something to be said. I mean, I remember you telling me before this we ever got to this podcast that this is the redheaded stepchild of the series. Yeah. Which makes me think that this, when you said that, it made me think that this movie is going somewhere with Freddy that it never goes to again. That this is uh, the weird, you know, the weird nightmare on Elm Street that everyone puts to the side and considers it not to really be a part of the series or something. And that's a shame to me because I like what it did with some of its components. Yeah, I I enjoy that it took a creative twist on... uh the kind of the realm of of Freddy Krueger that I I'm pretty sure that this movie and what the writers did with it made Wes Craven who said he'd never come back come back and go whoa 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 what are you guys doing so I that's why I think this is the redhead stepchild I think the format that he comes back and reestablishes continues throughout the rest of the series but you know, I'm not. I can't honestly. I, I have. It's been a long time since I've seen the later ones. I can't honestly attest, but I do remember that this one being kind of different and just weird. Well, I just. I think this one has more structure in terms of the dream world and introduces the concept of Freddy needing some sort of vessel. When you combine it all together with the first movie, yeah, there's some inconsistency and it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but. You can you can reach for logic if you truly want to. I just would appreciate out of, out of the very little that I'm going to appreciate about this movie. Um, a lot of it stems from keeping him in the dream world and making some sort of connection with the real world, creating a line that has to be crossed. Yeah, I enjoy that. Yeah, but, that was very much the whole point of this entire yeah. installment. Yeah. Yeah, the, the slam against it is that the first, you know, 45 minutes are Mark Patton freaking out, trying to stop Freddy from taking over, like a battle between Freddy and Jesse uh, in terms of possession or in terms of using him as a vessel. Right. So what happens? What happens with the dream, man? The he, ground uh, starts to break away. The bus yeah. is teetering on like a nightmare column. There's nightmare lightning. Nightmare fog, and then, <laughs> and then nightmare cliffs, nightmare pyres. Yep, nightmare pyres, nightmare cliffs. It's a very nightmarish landscape. And then the girls are like, "Stop, stop!" And then you know, Freddy stops, and he comes and he scrapes his nails along the seats and along the ceiling and along the windows and along the floor. Classic Freddy move. Mm-hmm. Just a whole lot of scraping going on. We cut straight to yeah. Cheryl's mom cutting a tomato. Not Cheryl's mom. Jesse's mom, Cheryl, cutting a tomato. Wow. Great editing. Yes. Did you see? Did you understand what they were trying to get across there? Fill me in. Okay. All right. Moving on. Um, <clears throat> what were they trying to get across? Tell me what they're trying to get across. It's just like, you know, it's like just like how like tomatoes are kind of juicy and fleshy and red. Like, so are human bodies. And that's kind of like mm. Freddy Krueger is kind of like slashing into their bodies like a tomato. <sighs> You're reaching. Oh, oh! I don't like your tone. They edited. No, they 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 creatively, you know, snap edited from you know knives about to penetrate human flesh into a knife going through a vegetable. Yeah, just like I said. Yeah, whatever. But it's not like you're saying a tomato is like human flesh. But it is. It's like, no, it's just the penetration cr- into something fleshy and juicy. 
it's creatively using the the idea of cutting into something that's it it doesn't matter what it what it is or what it was oh please she could have been chopping celery she could have been chopping whatever celery yeah, she they would probably only be chose a tomato because a tomato has if freddy krueger was cutting off someone's dick I bet you they did three different cutscenes with different vegetables. <laughs> Get the cantaloupe in here. Get it in here. And they, yeah, and they were probably like, let's go tomato. Tomato. Yep. I like the tomato. Tomato. Not those regular kind that you put on sandwiches. Get the kind that have like the weird yeah. insides that look all webby. Yeah. Which cereal should should we use? Well, which one is going to charge the least amount of royalties? Fu Manchus. Fu Manchus. Isn't that fake there and racist? Go. Yeah. <laughs> let's make a... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Royalties. Let's make our own... <laughs> Cereal box. That's right. That's right. And so Jesse screams. We hear Jesse scream from his bedroom, and we're downstairs watching the family eating breakfast. Nobody really reacts except to say, ugh, how annoying. <laughs> yeah, except Nathan watching the movie and saying, Scream Queen? Oh, yeah. That scream was very screamy. Mm. I can't. No, I can't. I don't, like I, it, I don't get where you're going. You say you like it or don't like I'm, it. I'm saying it comes out of his mouth, and you're like, "That's a woman's scream mingled with a man's scream." Yeah, we can go almost like to this weird point where you're kind of you're okay with it in a strange way, but it did just kind of show you. You know, a feminine quality. Well, that's no. To be fair, that's how. That's how everyone screams when they're truly scared. You ever seen videos of guys reacting, like big burly biker type trucker guys reacting to their biggest fears? You put them face to face, they'll scream like a girl. Real men don't scream. Oh, they do. And they scream like little bitches. You know what? You think what you want to think about what's... I was making Jim Carrey gestures. for a man to scream like. And I'll stay on the other side of the argument where it's not okay for a man to scream like a girl. All right. It's also just nicer to hear that too. You do want to hear this for the whole movie. (laughs) (laughs) You just let me know when you're done making it with your boyfriend. My boy, what are you talking about? You're on the other side of the room. Where it's okay to scream like a girl when you're a boy. So no, no, no. Only I say I'm saying genuine fear makes everyone, girl or boy, scream like a girl. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. Argument one done. We're moving on. Okay. Jesse sits up in bed, chest glistening with sweat, nipples hmm. pursed with anxiety, breathing hard, bewildered. Turns off his alarm, checks his junk, and heads downstairs for breakfast. Oh, there's a little bit of uh, an exchange between Jesse and his family. His dad wants him to finish unpacking his room already. Jesse yeah. Jesse admits that it's getting really fucking hot up there, and he's having a little bit of trouble sleeping. And then I don't know. This this whole this whole scene kind of bothers me because it's like this this chummy exchange between him and his family, and he seems pretty you know chilled back and not Almost, as nerdy as know. in his dream. Yeah, tossing around a little bit of sarcasm, you know, the dad's throwing out some pretty heavy sarcasm, they're they're bantering. Mm-hmm. And the dad calls his wife. A minute long. ago he was drenched in sweat. A nightmare that has drenched him in sweat. He wouldn't be a mm-hmm. little bit off center. Glistening you know? with sweat. Okay, yeah, you're on that side of the room. I get it. 
I'm trying to tell you that he should be, when he comes downstairs, he should be a little bit off. Everyone else should be acting normally, and he should be a little bit off, and they don't execute that well enough. Well, they, No, but they, they let you know, or they give the impression that he's been having these for a while now, these nightmares, and waking up screaming. Mm-hmm. So they're all kind of used to it now. They're like, oh, it's just how he wakes up, you know, terrified to the bone. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Yeah, there's something <laughs> off about it. There's something wrong about it. Right? Everything's hunky-dory until his sister finds the toy in her Fu Man shoes box, which are little claws, little Fu Man claws, that she puts on her fingers and she waves them at him and he freaks out. You see that? Mm-hmm. She even takes. Good, she even. She even has. She has all good. five on, and she even takes the thumb off to like even more mimic Freddy. Really give it mm-hmm. to him. <laughs> no, that part was good. Let's see. Lisa shows up. We're introduced to Lisa. She's there to uh, hitch a ride with Jesse in his car, which is named what? <laughs> the deadly uh, dinosaur. Man, okay. you are. Okay. I'm glad that I came up with these questions. Are you watching these mm-hmm. movies? Yeah, I'm watching the movies. I remember the Deadly Dinosaur scene now that you said it, yes. (laughs) And it was a crappy piece of shit, like, teal car that drove away and had fumes coming out of the gas pipe, or the exhaust pipe. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Important to note that now the door on the front of that house is uh, red and not blue, Mm -hmm. like in the first movie. Didn't notice the color change, but it did remind me of American Beauty. Oh, yeah, that's right. Another famous red door. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's see, now we show up, we're at the high school softball field, Jesse's playing, uh, what position is Jesse playing? Mm, outfielder, center fielder. Ooh, deep shortstop. Deep shortstop? Mm-hmm. Is that even a position? No, I just Where like... Where you get this shit from? He should be more infield for playing shortstop, because I, I rerounded and watched it a bunch of times to figure out if he was an outfielder or an infielder, and he's definitely shortstop. The ball comes at him and smokes him in the head. Yes. And he's got grass everywhere around him, and he's past second base. Yes, he's on... So that's an outfielder. No, no, trust me. He's a, he's a, I've watched this many times. He he's is definitely a shortstop. No, he's an outfielder who's playing in. No, 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 because there is an outfielder behind him. Mm. Okay. And then after, you know... Playful Jesse out turning on the the females. You know, Lisa's getting a little bit wet watching him do his thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's falling for him. She's concerned about him. Mm-hmm. Her slutty you know? friend is concerned about her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Concerned about her and wanting to expose the fact that she's got the hots for him because she likes drama and she likes... Dick. Yeah. Dick. <laughs> Yeah. She wants that dick. She, mm. she takes it wherever she can get it at that pool party. But Grady comes out, introduced to Grady. Grady hits the ball, hits Jesse in the head. Boom, he's down. Ha, 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 how embarrassing. Then Grady gets involved in the pickle. He gets picked off. That pisses him off. He pulls down Jesse's pants, gives us our first nudity of the film. Mm-hmm. Some Mark Patton ass. Mm-hmm. Which, and I wonder if it was was uh, was Mark Patton like, you know, throwing some some extra padding into his uh, into his undies there, trying to make his package look bigger. Oh yeah, he did have a he had a decent heft at the beginning. Is that what mm-hmm. you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chelsea uh, reacted to it. 
She's like, oh, oh his balls are. Oh, <laughs> they have oh, so yeah. weighty. And, oh, <laughs> oh, oh am penis. I red? Am I red right now? Oh, yeah. She she made an audible noise. Yeah. Well, so did I. But they wrestle. Yeah. They they wrestle in the grass. Coach Schneider walks over. Coach Schneider, you recognize mm-hmm. Easton stuff, right? You recognize him, right? Oh, I recognize him from many different places. He's, yeah, he's like one of those never the lead, always around guys. Oh, he's um. Let's see here. There's one movie. Oh yeah, yeah. He's Quado. <gasps> there you go. From from Total Recall. That's the one. That's yeah. That's tr- that's the big one. Trying to make its way into my brain. Yeah, that's the yeah, one. There's a lot of secondary roles that he plays, and he's even in the movie called The Puppet Masters. Is that? A horror movie? Oh. No, that's something else. Oh. That's Donald Sutherland. He was a general in Starship Troopers. Yeah. He's got these, like, yeah, mid-range roles in a lot of movies. But, yeah, the big one is, is Quato from Total Rico. Yeah. He makes his way yeah. around the special effects schlocky movies. <laughs> well, Quato is a pretty pretty good role because he's got that creature growing out of his stomach. Yeah, it's awesome. Nice. Yeah. You're like, this guy's the leader? And you're like, nope, it's the thing growing out of his stomach. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was fucked up, that moment. So he walks out in the field to check on Jesse after he gets hit in the face. And or no, he's no, a no, I, I, Yeah, after they... Oh, yeah, no, he can, no, sorry, I'm getting mixed up. Yeah, he comes out to check on Jesse when he gets hit in the head with the ball. Doesn't really give a shit, just make sure that he's okay. And he comes out again after they start wrestling and tells them to assume the position. Mm-hmm. Start doing push-ups. Right, that's what I thought. But then Jasmine said, no, assume the position is just staying in that upright position for as long as you can and never letting your stomach touch the ground. And that is what they're doing. Oh, okay. I No, they they do a few thrusts. They do a few push-ups. Yeah, they're collapsing from being tired and then getting back up. Oh, whatever. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't come across. <laughs> That does not come across. Right. The coach what comes across is he's an antagonistic character and he's a jerk. Yep. And he's taking it out on them he's, and he's singling them out for some reason. That's exactly right. But you get the like the first question I had in this scene was really, um, where's the buildup? Like, who is this teacher? Are we just supposed to buy into the fact that this teacher's a gigantic dickhead? Yep. Without any history, because let's let's rewind here. You know, like they just moved into this house. He's still unpacking boxes. You're telling me that Jesse's gotten under this teacher's skin in like what a month? What's the time frame here? When did they move there? I don't know. Why is he still unpacking boxes? Is there a standard time frame than for a, hating someone? It can't be more than a month or two. And you're telling me that Jesse. Who doesn't really look like he doesn't? He kind of keeps to himself. He doesn't throw shit in people's faces. He's what gets into a little manly altercation on the field. A coach would love that. A coach would would, would celebrate that passion and fire. Right. A coach that enjoys being a coach. This is a one-dimensional dick face character. No. And no it's no, meant no, no. purely to antagonize, and there's no depth to it whatsoever. No, no. From it's, it's lame. No, from the, from the context clues of this scene, we get that Jesse and Grady kind of know each other, but aren't really friends. 
and that Grady has a history of getting on Coach Snyder's nerves. Jesse, not so much. But now that Jesse and Grady get involved together, now he's just on the coach's shit list because Grady is. And this gives Grady and Jesse a chance to bond over their hatred for the coach. It's a very dynamic, a deep uh, Mm. relationship happening here. You're reaching. But Grady says something very important about the coach, which is that, uh, let me quote him. Likes to hang around queer S&M joints downtown. That's what he says? Mm-hmm. Oh, and you just take it as sarcasm at first. Right. Or that <laughs> he's just bullshitting and just hates him. And a friendship is forged between a muscular, <laughs> masculine athlete and a delicate, sensitive dancer. Mm. Yeah, well, it's. I see where you're going with it, and I get that that's the point. But it's not that effective, and it's not executed that well. Why? Because Jesse is a weird, awkward, like, socially, like, antisocial, socially awkward weirdo. And there's no sincerity to him forging a friendship because he's focusing too much on, you know, being distraught. And, and focusing on, on where the character needs to go instead of focusing on what the character's doing. And that's where Mark Patton fails. Right. It does seem awkward at first that these two different stereotypes would at all have a friendship. The normal scenes in this movie where they're supposed to play off like they're just regular kids, Jesse comes across as a wacko. And when Jesse is trying to, you know express the whole psychotic experience that he's going through later in the more intense emotionally fucked up scenes jesse does a pretty good job because he's preparing the whole character to go there the whole time and everyone else around him uh you know doesn't just fails to to go to his level when he does that so it's an incredible imbalance here with with acting performance throughout this whole movie Right, so we're so we're left to assume that Grady must also, in some weird way, be also a weirdo, an outcast from the jock circle that we assume he belongs to, and that these two weirdos come together with their weirdoness. No, I would say that uh, Grady's more, you know, the uh, the Johnny Depp character, you know, like the laid back, don't really give a shit, go along to get along, cocky. That if you were to point out the character, like the, the the tropey character that is supposed to be that way, you know, the one that gets it the worst, you know, it's it's a it's a flip of the coin between Jesse's dad and, and Grady. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, well, no, there's a particular scene in here where I pointed out Grady in my own mind as needing to get it and get it bad, and he does. Well, just for his acting performance. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, let's see. So we learned from Grady that the coach is in S and M joints downtown. We also learned from Grady, or from Grady, from Grady, uh, when they're telling off. Can you call him by his real name? What? Ron. Yeah, but no one ever calls him Ron in the movie. Ron Grady. Yeah, that's why I'm going to refer to him from the rest of this podcast. Yeah, his name is Ron Grady in the movie, but no one ever calls him Ron in the movie. That's fine. But um, but we also learned from him. He exposes to Jesse that the history of the house that Jesse's living in. Mm. Tells him the story about Nancy Thompson and watching Glenn 
the great and all-powerful Glenn Lance die across the street. Oh, not again. God damn it. Glenn! We've watched two movies since then. You're still crying. Glenn, I miss you. God damn it. God damn it. Do you want a break? No, I'm good. Push, push through. All right, push through. All right, all right. All right. All right, we cut straight from there. Jesse wakes mean, up in bed you again. Mean, you mean the original vessel. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not Glenn. The original vessel. Is that what we're calling it now? Well, this movie has now changed the realm, the rules with which Freddy operates. So now the first movie must adhere to these rules. Hence, he needed a vessel. Couldn't get through Nancy. Oh, mm-hmm. you! Oh, you're retrofitting. You're retrofitting the original to the sequel. I'm saying that this movie has changed the rules right. of how Freddy can operate within the real world. So he needs a vessel. So, you know, he tried several different ways. It ended up being the mom in the end. <laughs> so then he's not the vessel. <laughs> Uh, no, he was the vessel, but his inability to have fear belief in Freddy, um, you know, when, when Freddy went to take possession of him and then use him as a vessel, he ended up imploding and, you know, becoming a, a soupy mess of blood inside the bed because, you know, the fear belief wasn't there. So it created a paradox. A paradox that swirled into a bloody mess of implosion. He was gonna have, had no FB. Yeah, couldn't low, get through. Low on the FB. Couldn't get through. Couldn't get through. All right. Well, we cut to Jesse. Can't sleep. Wakes up glistening, sweaty, purse nipples of anxiety. Heaves his vessel over the side of the bed and gets up. Opens the fridge. Glass jar falls out. Breaks on the floor. He thinks he sees something strange outside. So he goes out into his shed greenhouse thing. And spies Freddy at the boiler taking his glove out of the inside of it. Is this the... Wait a minute. Is this the greenhouse or is this the basement? Well, he goes... After he sees Freddy, he actually does a very non-tropey thing. In any other horror movie, after he sees Freddy at the boiler getting his glove from the greenhouse. Because he's kind of like staring down into the basement window from the greenhouse outside. Hmm. Any other movie... He would have gotten freaked out and either made a noise when he freaked out or tried to quietly get away and then like stumbled over some garden equipment or something. And then Freddie would have like turned his head towards the window really fast. That would have been any other movie. But no, he gets away. He just walks inside really quiet. It's amazing. Well, it's because at first he's interacting with what Freddie is. It's almost like they're doing a preliminary you know, almost like if they were in a in a boxing match together or a UFC fight or something, it would be like you know, testing out each other's arm lengths and, uh, you know, oh, yeah, I get ready, you. Yeah. you know, doing a little dance. Like, how, where's where's my reach? How how far can I move in without getting damaged? Right. You know? Eyeball in the dimensions of their abilities. Yeah. Well, he's a he's a man, you know, he's not a, you know, scream queen. He's a man. He's going to examine his adversary and they're going to duel. Right. I mean, let's be clear. He's no Glenn Lance, but he's definitely got 
No. He's no. He's no Glenn. He's Jesse Walsh. We got. Yeah. We got a new man. He's, he's. He's no Glenn. He's. He's got. He's got fear belief. All right. So Freddie sees an opportunity. Mm, he so does. He's seizing an opportunity. Soaked to, in FB. Yeah. And maybe you know what? Let's let's get a little bit more in depth here, Daniel, because we're not giving this movie enough credit. Okay. I wasn't um, going to go deep. Let's go deep. I'm just saying because I'm thinking here, and I'm saying, you know what? This is the battle. This is them putting a magnifying glass on the inner battle happening between Freddy and his victim. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Freddy goes through this process with everyone, not just Glenn, not just Glenn. Oh, it's like a although, like although a... Glenn fought to the death. That's why Glenn is so valiant because he fought to the bitter end and he didn't allow Freddy to take him over. He would rather implode into a bloody mess than allow Freddy to take him over. That's right. The takeover was so, was so jarring yeah. and, and but he, he resisted but it so hard this... he was liquefied. He's doing this dance with everyone. So, I mean, from the original movie, we've got Nancy, you know, doing the dance with him the whole time, sparring with him. This is his, that's his true adversary is Nancy. And, um, um, what's the, uh, the other guy? Rod. That's right. Rod. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. See Rod and, uh, and what was the, the girl that got murdered at the beginning? Tina. Tina. Rod and Tina were easy prey. He just, uh, was able to go in and and manhandle them, you know. So it wasn't a, a good adversary. It wasn't a good duel. We're seeing a good duel here between Jesse and Freddy. They're fighting for his vessel, you know. He's slowly, you know, dancing back and forth with him and trying to take control of him. Right. So Whereas in the first movie, Rod, easy takeover. He could just enter his, into his dream and control his reality almost instantly. That's why he could hang him. Yeah. So easily in doesn't even doesn't even deserve the glove. Gets the shit. Yeah, it's just it's just a it's you know, he's like an ant. That's right. He doesn't he's not strong of mind. You saw Rod, he was jumping out frantic out of windows, out of bushes, mm-hmm. acting like an Nobody's asshole. gonna believe me. Oh my god, I'm a weak minded fool that just got just eaten up by Freddy's ability to control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're saying right now this is like an absentee interview for Jesse. I'm saying this is a this is uh, a duel right here, okay? This is showing you a little bit. This is giving you an in-depth look at the battle between nightmare world and real world and how those two worlds connect and how they clash. It's giving you more detail. I like what you're saying. I like what you're doing. <laughs> <clears throat> Jesse creeps back from outside, back inside, heads over to the basement door. Cracks it open, checks downstairs, sees shadow, uh, Freddy's shadow, holds the door shut, starts screaming for his dad. Dad, come help me. This is a weird thing that I noticed during this movie, too, is that no one ever screams mom in this movie. Everyone screams dad. Happens two or three times. Man, you think too much about this shit. He's screaming for his dad, screaming for his dad, can't hold the door shut. He's like, fuck it, I gotta get away. He makes a break for it. Boom, bumps right into Freddy Krueger. And what the fuck is wrong with people and leaving his shit around? Like, come on. This has now gone through what two sets of families, and they've still got his shit inside the wood stove in the in the basement. I know. No one checks inside the boiler. They just assume that it's an antique. It's not a boiler. It's a wood burning fireplace. Okay. Something. Yeah. Yeah. So, what? We're not going to light it ever. Come on. This shit should be charred. It should be old and done. Like, come on. Seriously. Well, you know, there's no real reason. Why did they put it in there to begin with? They just put it in there to to keep it as a keepsake to remind them of the horrible Freddy Krueger. No, they put it in there to fucking burn it. That's a place where you burn things. Right, but so they burn it. They don't ever need to use it though, because Freddy's 
ethereal presence around this house keeps it in a constant state of heat. No. No. Don't even fucking try to do that. We're staying on par with the battle for vessels. All right. Well, then this is where they meet. This is the beginning of their battle. He tells Jesse. This is not his. This is. No, we're not going to work the angle of this thing being some sort of lair where Freddy has control over the basement and the wood burning fireplace. Fuck that shit. Well, the house is constantly like really hot all the time and they can't figure out why i'm assuming that's because of freddy krueger's presence or they need a new air conditioning unit but the father he later on he mentions in the movie that it's 97 degrees in the house i live in texas my ac went out in the middle of summer it got 91 degrees in here so what's giving them that extra six nathan i'm making like a what's up motion right now like thrusting Uh, my chest out a lazy father that isn't you know, trying to fix the AC. Yeah, but did he start a fire inside the AC he's, vents? It's fucking hot a, in there. Unnaturally hot. He's a cheap guy, all right? All right. They they bought the house because it was cheap. He's cheap. Oh. He doesn't want to spend any money. Yes. They he, made that very clear. Yes, they do they make that, that clear as well as the house becoming unnaturally hot. Yeah, well, they didn't make any suggestion that Freddy Krueger's presence makes things hotter. They don't have to. Why else would it be getting unnaturally hot in there? We're not making those assumptions. I'm not letting you make those assumptions. That's I'm bullshit. using strong contextual you, guidance. They give you more to go off of financially with the dad being a douchebag cheap cheapskate. And that's what they focus on. Hey, you know what, you're, you're dancing off into the gray area and creating a little we, world where Freddy has heat emanating from him. We will let the fans decide. Yeah. But moving... Cause this we is to create a poll where you say... think. Freddie makes things hotter, or the father, or Freddie doesn't you know, make s- things cooler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, some sort of twisted, manipulative statement. Right, but this is an important scene. This is where they first come into contact, where he tells Jesse that he needs his body. Mm-hmm. Remember, he grabs him by his his shirt, you know, by right by his throat, picks him up taps his blades against his face and he's like you're the body i'm the brains and he pulls his scalp off and his brain's all pulsy mm-hmm. i remember that and of course jesse wakes up screams like a man would scream if he was truly terrified and see and this is the part this is the part that kind of you know this whole you're the body i'm the brains thing needing his body focusing on the body focusing on the vessel thing yeah they're getting they're getting too specific because it fucks with the rest of the franchise yes yeah there it is it doesn't need nancy's body doesn't need rod's body doesn't need tina's body there are some creative does, uses of the lore of the nightmare universe yes he does need glenn's body he does well, no, he needs Jesse's and body. And I'm making the assumption that he takes the mom's body. Yeah, we did have, we did, we discussed that, didn't we? Some, some variation we of that theory. We discussed, yeah, him taking some sort of spiritual gateway into the middle of the bed and taking the mom with him. I'm reaching here. I'm trying. To <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I'm trying to commit, Daniel. There's some pretty <laughs> hardcore inconsistencies here. <laughs> yeah, let's just shh, shh, shh. Focus on Glenn. Focus on Glenn. Glenn, Glenn tried to take over Glenn's body. Glenn imploded into a pool of of uh, soupy blood. Okay, back and back on track. Let's go. Back on track. End of their discussion. Jesse wakes up screaming like a man who's been truly terrified. 
His parents come in to check on him. Boom. We cut Does he to- scream like a man? Are you trying to hide the fact that he screams like a girl again? <laughs> we cut to high school science class. Are you trying to class. glance over another female scream? Cut to high school science class. Jesse is, you know, he's got his head on his hands. He's kind of drifting off, getting a little sleepy. Mm. Teacher's giving a really crude lecture on digestion. Mm-hmm. And then a snake starts to slither up Jesse's back. And we're to assume as the audience that, that that's he's having a nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. And this is like a Freddy snake. Right. Tricked ya. Trick- Trope. Tropey dope. Tropey. Tropey tropey. Tropey tropey. Tropey dope. It's not a dream. It's an actual snake. It's the class pet. Well, he is a biology teacher. This is biology. That's it's true. It's okay for there to be a snake traveling around the classroom. Yes. Just like my high school. Divisive. Trope. And, and the teacher's mad. Trope, trope, trope. Like, how dare you put your life in danger with my snake that I let roam around the class? Well, there's no indication that the snake is venomous. That's true. And Jesse takes the, takes it pretty well. He kind of laughs it off, gives Grady the finger. Which would indicate that the snake is not venomous. It is a class pet. It's one of those uh, that, con- that everybody constrictor is just, snakes. Yeah. See? Everybody's chill with the snake. You know, it's not a big deal, which does communicate that the snake is not threatening and that it is purely just a divisive trope. All right. Now we head over to Lisa's house, who is, in mm-hmm. fact, an 80s rich girl. Mm-hmm. She's taking a swim in her pool. Mom comes out to tell her that Jesse's called. He's on his way over. We mm-hmm. cut back over to the Walsh house. Mm-hmm. Jesse's not on his way over. Those mm-hmm. boxes need to be unpacked, mister. Mm. So... We Jesse goes upstairs. Nothing left to do but show dad. Do you, do you know what happens next? This, he shows dad. Oh, he shows dad. He shows dad with Fonda Ray's Touch Me All Night Long, motherfucker. Touch me, baby. Touch me, <laughs> baby. All night long. What are you fucking talking about? You're going to have to clue me in on this scene because I'm a little lost. This is the scene where Jesse has is forced to unpack his room and clean it up, and he has to do it dancing to Fonda Ray's "Touch Me All Night Long." Why? Well, it, it, this is the, one of the most awkward and hilarious scenes in the whole movie. Did you go to the bathroom during this when he's dancing <laughs> to this song and cleaning his room? No, I don't think so. But it's fucking what, insane. His, his, I'm lost on the on the part where your dad forces him to do it. Well, his dad won't let him go hang out with Lisa unless he unpacks his room completely. Yeah, but his dad had nothing to do with the song choice. Right, but when he puts the tape into his cassette player, he's like, mm-hmm. take this, dad. And he cranks it up like it was going to be metal music, but it's not. It's Fonda Ray's touched me all night long. And then he mm-hmm. goes into like... I know I didn't go to the bathroom during this scene. I just was cringing through the whole thing. Oh yeah, when he t- uses his butt to close his drawer. It's like, mm, mm, yeah, mm, 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 yeah. Mm. This is yeah, like oh Jesse's like totally chill. Like it has this, this has no point. This this scene has absolutely no point. But he's got to dance, Nathan. He's got to dance. This is one of the only <laughs> moments in the whole movie where he's really happy. What is this comic relief? I mean, come on. By this point, he's already had. Enough nightmares of Freddy to not be dancing with Glee. But he has to okay. dance. He has to just, just dance it away. No. Dance the dance the no. FB away. No. 
this scene makes absolutely no sense. There's no point for it. All right. Well, he... Unless it's to make you like Jesse more and to kind of... Yeah, he's just a cool, hip dude, man, like the rest of us. Maybe the writers were just like, you know what? This dance between Freddy and Jesse <laughs> needs some sort of interpretive moment, you know? It's going to take 45 minutes to get through. Maybe we should have a little intermission where the audience can take a breather. That's exactly what it feels like, actually, is an you intermission. Know? And they're just like, hey, Jesse, have some fun, buddy. Yeah. Try to give me, give me, you know, Freddy's trying to take over my body, but I'm not going to let him. You know, give me some fire. Give me some passion, kid. That's right. Dance away you know? the fear belief. Yeah. This is where Mark lets it out of the bag. <laughs> lets the cat out of the bag. He's already, <laughs> what he's are already you screamed about? like a... No, he screamed like a woman twice. Because he's a... Truly terrified he's, man. He's now now he's doing the dance and he's using his ass to close things. This man is clearly a homosexual. What? Mark Patton is a homosexual. What? Wait, what? Mark Patton is gay. No, 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 no. Mark, yeah. no, no. His girlfriend Lisa. He has a girlfriend. His his girlfriend's name is Lisa. The actor Mark Patton. Is a homosexual. Irrelevant. <laughs> Irrelevant. Scream twice like a girl, closing drawers with his ass. He's he's a homosexual. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being a homosexual. Hey, when you're, when you're taking your boxes of stuff and you're delicately just dumping the loads willy nilly into open drawers, and then you're picking stuff off off the floor. Why not multitask and close one of the open drawers with your butt? And then when you, you find your well. neat little pop stick. Mm. Why don't you pretend like it's your penis this scene, and thrive this scene is, and no, undulate scene, on your bed and then make a crude, <laughs> loud, popping orgasm sound when your mom and your girlfriend burst into your room. The scene is so gay, he might as well have been picking the shit up off the floor with his teeth. Yeah. Yeah, this scene made it tough. <laughs> <laughs> Put, yeah. put some real holes in my uh, uh the director was just like I just want you to dance just Mark just dance, dance. yeah they go just, over. Un- just let go just no Mark let's try it again try it again let go more let go more but <laughs> aren't I supposed to be you know stressed out about Freddy by this scene like what, what's my motivation your motivation Mark is to dance <laughs> yeah, just let go I want to see you close drawers with your butts. I want to get into it. Come on. Yes, I I did read some things online that said that the writer David Chaskin is gay and that he did purposely write some homosexual themes into the movie. All night long, touch me, baby. Touch me. Touch me. The pop, though, man. The pop at the end of that scene when his mom and his girlfriend burst in the room. Oh, my God. It was like fucking cherry on the top of the cake. Mm. So beautiful. A.K.A. Horrible. Unnecessary. Intermission of strange activity. Continue. Right. All right. So, Lisa, this is the 80s, right? So, there's no cell phones. Lisa just comes fucking over. Just comes over. Bursts in. Helps him finish like, cleaning up his room, and that's when they stumble across Nancy's diary. Mm-hmm. All dusty. All dusty. Mm-hmm. So let's let's recap, shall we? The things left in the house. 
Freddy's glove. Dusty diary. Freddy's glove. How convenient. Right. And not tucked away or anything. Very just right there on the shelf. Right mm-hmm. there. Like, whoops, forgot my diary. Although it sounds like she went crazy or something. Well, I th- this part actually kind of bothers me. The diary entry that they read right here. It makes Nancy seem like this swooning, you know, preteen, like, dummy. And I don't appreciate well, them doing that you know to my Nancy. Yeah, but you've... <laughs> But you've got a crush on Nancy. You've got a, you know, you want to. Want to close her locker and kiss her. Yeah, you want to close her locker and kiss her and, you know. And when they read the diary entry, it's all like, "Mm, I can see him undressing and my legs, my knees go weak. And it's like, that's not how fucking Nancy talks. Get out of (laughs) here. How do you know? I know. But they read a more important diary entry where she describes uh, interacting with Freddy Krueger, which freaks Jesse the fuck out. Mm, Because it gives validation to his existence. Exactly. Although I don't know how finding the... uh, I guess it was all a dream, right? Finding the glove in the wood furnace was a dream? Yeah, or... Or could have been interpreted as a dream. Yes. Yeah. Henceforth, Question we have no mark. real physical proof. Yeah. He's kind of. He's just stressed out. He doesn't know what's going on. He's trying to shake it off. He's trying to dance it off. So as soon as we're on to the fact that Jesse is uh, considering that Freddy Krueger might be real, boom, he wakes up again in his room, sweaty, <sighs> purse nipples of anxiety. Man. Finds that the shit in his room is literally melting. That's where this movie tropes. This is this is the tropey tropeness. Because it's a naturally hot in his house because of Freddy Krueger's presence. Constantly waking up in sweaty, you know, where you think it's a real and is it a dream? Is it real? Like that, that whole tropiness. He goes downstairs to the basement, finds Freddy's glove. So he's holding on to it. And then Freddy appears, encouraging Jesse to kill for him. And Jesse throws down the glove in defiance. No! No! I'll never join you! Alright, over to the locker room. Grady and Jesse are talking shit about Coach Snyder. You remember this? Mm-hmm. And of course, he's standing in the background. Trope. Is that really a trope? It is, but it's it actually works towards the plot in this, so maybe not, in, not maybe not in this trope. case. That's not a horror movie trope, that's just a movie cliche. Either way, he catches them. Time to assume the position again. Does he say assume the position? Yeah, the first time he does. So what does he say this time? Uh, I think it's... They just, Do some push-ups? I think he just cuts to... Yeah, that's what I thought. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's where we actually learn that it's 97 fucking degrees in the Walsh household. And something's wrong with the parakeet. It's freaking out, Nathan. It bites mm-hmm. Jesse's hand when he reaches in to try and calm it down. Starts flying around the room, freaking everybody out. Zooms down, cuts Jesse's dad's face. Oh, yeah, I remember the band-aid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the bird explodes. And then the bird explodes. And the father blames it on a what we learned in the trivia component at the beginning. A cherry bomb. Right, he, he thinks, thinks... His dad accuses Jesse of blowing up a bird with a cherry bomb. Right, first he thinks it's a gas Because he's leak. 10 years old. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, first thing is it's a gas leak, which also <laughs> makes no sense. He says he's trying to pull the stove away from the wall to check on the gas, and the wife is like, well, I don't really think it's that. I just said maybe it smells like gas in here. And he's like, Dad, it's not that. It's not the he's gas. He's got, like, zero respect for his dad, eh? He, <laughs> thinks it is. he thinks his dad's an idiot. Everyone else thinks his dad's an idiot. And his dad is pretty much an idiot. Yep. He starts to deduce things, and they're just, they totally dismiss him. Nighttime, Jesse's up again, downstairs in the kitchen, lightning bolt comes shooting through the closed window and hits the dishes, and he heads on out to find that queer S&M bar that Grady was talking about. He orders a free beer, doesn't get charged Mm -hmm. for a beer, from a bartender who was played by Robert Shea as the leather-clad bartender in a queer bar downtown. Wait, is Robert Shea gay too? Are they all gay? Oh, I don't, I don't think Robert Shea is gay now. Hmm. But definitely put himself in the movie. Um, and then this is when Coach Schneider comes up from behind. Hmm. And this is a very strange sequence of events that follows from here, Nathan. I, I, it was kind of dark. Like I don't remember this movie that well from when I was younger. I think this is the the one that I've seen the least. And... I think this is all just dreamscape, all right? This is like... It's not. Yeah, it is. No, this this is all real. No, 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 no. This bar scene is... You can look at it two different ways. You can look at it as this is really happening, or you can look at it as the conversation that Grady and him and, and Jesse have when they're assuming the position on the field... You know, where Grady could have been sarcastically implying that, you know, the the coach is is an asshole by just calling him, you know, a leather-clad homo or whatever. Yeah, but his coach sees him at this bar and physically abducts him and takes him back to the school. I know, but that part could all be a dream. And makes him take a shower. The only thing we know is that the coach gets it in the shower at the high school. Yeah, we don't when he's really know that they, you know, this movie spends a lot of time being vague with Jesse's dissolution that happens between him and reality. You know, he becomes very frantic. He becomes very messed up, and he doesn't know what's real and what's not. Yeah, so this he does whole it, thing, but everything yeah, else he is real. Well, you're you're choosing to believe that it's real. No, there I'm are no say, dream no. deaths in this whole movie. That's why it's the redheaded stepchild. No, I'm not saying that it was a dream death. I'm saying that the fact that he was in the bar with him and all of that stuff could have been a part of the dream. So, so you're saying that in reality, he probably just went straight from his house and found the coach at the high school two o'clock in the morning and killed him I'm there saying that it's that it's possible that he found the coach at the hospital at the at the high school or whatever and you know killed him there because freddie had taken possession of him or used him as a vessel to do it it's the first time that freddie had gained con- enough control over jesse to to force you know, him him into murdering someone. So I'm saying that there's a possibility here that uh, it isn't just cut and dried, that he went to a bar and received a free beer 
because the the free beer to me indicates that this is maybe not reality because that's not what happens uh, to, to me it was that in an S&M bar downtown everyone under 18 drinks for free <laughs> hmm. well I mean you're you're going to choose your perception and I'm going to choose mine and we're entitled to both of our our arguments here right so let's get to the dark part that is the same in both of our theories which is that he's in the equipment room coach Snyder preparing jump rope from which he can bind a 17-year-old boy and rape him. That could still be part of the dream. <laughs> that's definitely cut and dry. This, I think that's the point of this movie is that it's all very, very real and that the only person dreaming is Jesse, who's sleepwalking while everything real is happening around him. Totally disagree with you. All right. Coach gets tied up. Clothes get stripped off. Imagine doing that scene. Just got your junk pressed against that cold wall. And you're just like, people are going to remember this scene for a long time. <laughs> but second male ass should be noted. Yeah, what's up with all the, the boy? Yeah, I remember commenting about that. I was like, man, a lot of boy stuff going on in this movie. Just in general. Yep. Maybe that's why it's the red-headed stepchild of the series. And then... And then the wet towels come out and start snapping the coach's ass raw. <laughs> so, so much ass snapping. And then Freddy Krueger emerges from the mist of the shower, where we assumed that Jesse was, and slashes coach up, slashes him to death. Mm-hmm. And then we- blood spews out of the shower heads. And we're done with Coach Snyder. Yeah, and they don't really make Coach Snyder an antagonistic person enough. Except for the fact that he was going to rape Jesse. In the dreamscape. Or in reality. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm just saying, there's some pretty heavy leaps here, okay? That they don't do enough groundwork. They focus a lot on Jesse being tormented by Freddy, and they don't really build up, you know, Coach Snyder into big enough of of a target, you know? Yeah, I thought this movie really missed an opportunity to put Mark Patton into Freddy Krueger makeup to kind of like maybe clue us in on a transformation or how he might see himself when he sleepwalks. Because like it's just, you know, Freddy kills people and then usually dust or something make, floats wow. away in it. And then it's just Jesse standing there with a glove on, mm-hmm. which happens here yeah, in the shower as they, well. They could have, you know, done more with... Maybe putting Freddy's shirt on him. Yeah, something, right? Something like that. Oh, another thing they could have done was um, n- not pu- put so much homosexuality <laughs> in the movie. What do you in general? I don't. I don't get it. I'm saying it's a shower scene. It's a shower scene. There's, so there's gonna be if you want comfortable get male nudity. You want to get tropey here? We should we should be seeing some some female nudity in this scene. That maybe the first time someone dies in this movie, it shouldn't be the coach. It should be someone random, you know. Or maybe the the whorebag friend. Mm, yeah, who doesn't even get a last name. Yeah. Because that's tropey. The slut always gets it. So maybe he takes control of Jesse. Jesse finds her in the locker room of the high school after you know her basketball practice or something and you know jesse what are you doing 
What are you doing? Ah, no, no, no. POV cam. Slash, 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 blood, blood, blood. (laughs) And then, and then after that, you know, there's a killer. Who's the killer? Oh, I think I'm the killer. (gasps) Build of anxiety. No. Oh, no. And then the coach pisses him off. Pisses on him? Yeah, he starts to realize that he might be the killer. And he's got some weird connection with Freddy. And he kind of entertains it. He's just like, you know, he lets Freddy in because of how much he doesn't like the coach. The coach really starts to get to him, you know, then you compound everything. Then you, then you get, then you get reaction. Then you get, you know, character development. Jesse. Transition. Bent over the coach's desk. He's like, you have to fuck him out of me. (laughs) Yeah. Uncomfortable moments between him and the coach. Assume the position. Grabs his crotch. (laughs) Boom. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. yeah, they bring in that music again. They start dancing together. Yep. Start closing drawers together. It's like, Freddy was throwing those balls in my face, but you know what balls I really want thrown in my face? Mm. And then before but he gets cut off halfway through by Mark's balls hitting his face. Yeah, he goes to lick his balls, and then the Freddy's tongue comes out and like <laughs> strangles his cock. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, this is God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, big uproar from the community. <laughs> yeah. Too much homosexuality. Uh, David Chaskin. There was a lot of that. There are like epic homosexual theses on this film. Okay, moving on. Cops bring home a exhausted and confused and naked Jesse back home to his parents. Was he totally naked? I well, they, have, they have him wrapped up in a towel, and I think yeah, I think they mentioned that he mm. was naked walking the streets. And there, yeah, and it's no big deal. No big deal. That's right. No, mm. what do you call it? Oh, Public Jesse. nudity or whatever. Oh, Jesse. And where did the glove go? Where's the glove? He had it in the shower. Yeah. Well, the glove appears and disappears. It does tend to do that. That bothers it me. It does tend to do that. So Je- Jesse's mom is she's freaked out. She thinks that Jesse needs some like psychiatric help. But dad, dad's pretty sure it's drugs. <laughs> yes. He's got he's got two questions for Jesse and then everyone can go to bed. What are you on <laughs> and where did you get it? <laughs> yep, everything's pretty cut and dried. <laughs> Good old Canon Canon Cheryl Walsh. Everything's cut and dried in their family. Yep. Even the next morning, as Jesse's leaving for school and his mom is chasing after him, like, no, please wait. And the dad's uh up on the ladder, I guess taking the bars off the windows. I tried rewinding it a bunch of times to see if he was lefty loosing it or righty tidying it, and I couldn't it was hard to tell. I think he was taking them off. That makes sense. He's pretty oblivious. He doesn't think that anything's wrong with the house, and he dismisses any history that had to do with the house, and he's pretty stoked about getting the price that he got. So, oh yeah, I don't think he. Uh, I think I think the bars bother him. I think he's taking them down. And I, he probably doesn't give a shit if Freddy Krueger's real and haunting their house or not. <laughs> Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever. But Jesse doesn't need any help. Just needs a good goddamn kick in the butt. Mental infants and a methadone can't clinic. Handle, can't handle anything, especially my own son. My own son can't even handle it. He's taking drugs and acting like an idiot. He needs to get his shit together and stop killing parakeets with cherry bombs. Well, he could be 
like irrationally coming at his son like that all the time because he's subconsciously aware of what gender preference Jesse might have. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh yeah. Resents the homosexuality big time. It's like it's got to be drugs. It's got to be drugs. Mm-hmm. Got to be something wrong with him. He's like, oh god, he's like walking naked in the streets. The dad's like reeling inside, walking naked. <laughs> it's dancing around like a fairy. He's screaming like a girl upstairs. He's embarrassed. Oh, I bet the he is I bet the cops pulled the dad aside and they were like, listen, we didn't want to say it in front of the wife, but we caught him around Don's place. <laughs> yeah, we caught him around Don's place. The real bar <laughs> where they give away free beer to minors, yeah. hoping hoping that they'll, you know, spend a little time in the bathroom. Jesse, off camera, goes and picks up Lisa. They show up at school, and that's when Jesse is freaked the fuck out because there are cops everywhere. And he learns mm-hmm. that Coach Snyder is, in fact, dead. He has been lashed by towels on his ass and scraped on his back by blades to death. It's real. It's real. This shit is real. This shit is real. And that's all this that it gives us. This shit is going down. That's all that it gives us. We go straight to Jesse waking this up. This is where he goes into full panic mode. Exactly. He's like uber over the edge now. And I think maybe our fifth or sixth sweaty JC, uh, Jesse waking up scene. And he wakes up because he hears scraping from inside of his drawer. And it's Freddy's glove moving by itself. Um, he hears Freddy say, kill for me. And then he wanders through his house and he opens up one of the, I guess, a guest bedroom door or something. And there's one of the little girls from the original movie jumping rope in there and singing the song. That was a good scene. And then... I'm going to give this movie a little bit of credit here because this whole moment where he goes over the edge, you know, from from the cops at the school realizing it's all real. Finally, this is coming to a climax. Like, this is the moment where he... where it all culminates with him understanding what's happening, you know. I would I would go as far as to say that he's fully he has now fully confirmed that Freddy's real. He's trying to take over his body as a vessel. Like he gets it. Mm-hmm. He's one hundred percent in, and uh, he's he's now terrified. He's now giving Freddy all of the energy and power that he needs to do whatever he wants to do. Oh, yeah, so much. He's scrambling. He's, he's giving scrambling. him so much he FB. He wakes up, he sees the glove, he goes in, it's got that creepy... This is a good scene, man. Like, when she's doing the jump rope and the one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a classic, classic scene. I am a horror hater, but I can respect this scene. This is one of the best scenes in the movie. Nice. I wish Jesse would have respected rope. it and let the song play out, but now he closes the door halfway through. We go straight to the next morning. Oh, a little bit of tension there. This isn't the scene that you hate, is it? No, 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 no. Have we passed the scene that you hate? No, we're not. We're, we're slowly making our way there. We're taking a lot okay. of tangents tonight. Um, yeah, I know. Sorry. No, I'm just as guilty. Um, this is where Jesse confronts his dad about why he thinks that he got the house so cheap. Tells him about the about the Thompsons that used to live there and what happened to them. And the dad doesn't really give a shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's getting it. He's, he's throwing shit in people's faces. He It's all coming together. Oh, yeah. He and understands what's going on. And then the toaster sets on fire. What the hell? He puts it out, and then... Oh, this goes back to your whole heat theory. There's heat everywhere. Exactly. And then, dun-dun-dun, it's unplugged, Nathan. It's unplugged. Oh, my God. The 97-degree temperature in the house without the AC unit on has caused the toaster to... Set on fire. Unplugged. 
This is unnecessary. Or Freddy's ethereal presence. What does this do? Whatever. What is what does setting that on fire do? Him going crazy it's and spooky. seeing the girl, you know, with the with the jump rope and then going down and confronting his dad. Like the toaster's unnecessary. No, there's I there's actually if I wanted to, I think I could pull maybe four or five scenes where if this was a different director, they probably would have been cut because they were just like spooky cuteness that doesn't really apply. I think the parakeet scene probably would have been cut by a different director. Mm. I think this toaster scene probably would have been cut. Mm-hmm. I think some of the kids at the pool party grabbing the electrified fence would have been cut. There's just lots of weird abilities that they give to Freddy or his presence that is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. This might be one of them. I'm not conceding. I'm just saying this might be one of them. Uh, let's see. Oh, Jesse's upset because of Schneider's death. He's driving in the car with Lisa. Lisa, who is like all about getting Jesse to talk about his feelings and really get in deep with him and figure this fucking thing out. Mm-hmm. She's taking him to the power plant where Freddy Krueger murdered all the children that he murdered mm-hmm. so that maybe he can develop some sort of psychic connection. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, she's 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 trying to deduce it. She's trying to logically find a resolution. She's, she's I've got I've got respect for her approach. She loves him. She's fallen for him. She wants to help him. She thinks that he's gifted now. Like it isn't it isn't that he's crazy. It's that he's gifted. Right. Exactly. That's that's her perception. So yeah, she's on board right away. I wonder if that's another anti trope. And that's almost putting a calming effect on his craziness briefly like he's 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 very upset he's freaking out he's spazzing and she's almost making him plateau here for a minute when he's around her he's like keeping it at she is she is keeping it at bay Mm -hmm. but every time that he gets away from her things start to get out of hand again so she takes him out there and you know Blah, blah. This is where he did all of his nastiness. Maybe you can feel a stronger connection. Walks up to that uh, locker, right? Yeah. Opens the locker up. What's in the locker? A rat. A rat. Ah, trope. Ah. Ah, your psychic abilities suck. Ah, trope. Ah. <laughs> and uh, this was just me making a note because I was thinking, I don't think anybody in this series, except for the little girl jumping rope, has called Freddy Krueger Freddy yet. They all call him Fred. Oh, yeah. Fred Krueger. Yeah, they call him Fred, yeah. Which is weird. Uh, either way, another cut shot to a sweaty Jesse waking up. I just, it's amazing how many times that... I can't realize it until you actually write it out. Yeah, I can't um, believe it happened that many times, actually. Uh, he's going up the stairs. You see, he, but that's that's a trope in itself, waking up sweaty. Yeah. That's... Tropey, trope, super tropey. Going up the stairs super. slowly with a POV, tropey. Um, and he goes into his little sister's room. Holy shit, Jesse! Don't kill your little sister. And he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He refrains. Sees that he's wearing the glove. Comes to a well. It's a moment of it's awareness. His little sister. It is. He's he's struggling. He's battling. You know, this is a good. This is also a good scene because it shows that he's trying to fight internally. You know. This whole sequence where he goes from his sister, and then where does he go after this? To the party? Uh, he goes back into his room, and he takes some stay-up pills. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you know? I, had, I went back and looked for the original. Do you, know what, do you know what the pills were that Nancy takes? What pills does she take? Stay-awakes. Stay-awakes. Both of them with These the are... S-T-A. Like, 
S-T-A-Dash-Up. Yep. And then Jesse takes Stay Ups. Stay Ups and Stay Awakes. But yes, you're right. We do know that Kruger does not have complete control over Jesse's will. If he sees someone he loves enough, it seems that he can resist. Well, he's battling with him, right? And he, he counteracts this by going to his room and taking those pills and like, it's on. Let's do this. Yep. You know, you you can tell that he's frantic and that he's he's losing control and he's on the edge, but he's fighting. And the stay up pills are adding to that. He's, he's trying to find something to help aid him. So, and then what is what does he do after the stay ups? He goes to the party. Now we go to my like. I almost can't watch this scene. It's the, the pool. It's it's no. It's the next day. It's it's a regular day, but you know. Jesse's had enough. Like he's fucking tired, so he's pissy with his parents. Gets in the car with Lisa. He's pissy with Lisa. Stop fucking prying. Get me talking about my feelings all the goddamn time. Gets to school. He's pissy with his friends at school, and he's sitting next to Grady, and they're eating lunch. And Grady is like shoveling so much fucking food in his mouth, and then just like saying all of his lines, but you can't understand what he's saying. And he's got like a, his mouth is so full he can barely close it. And then he just shoves more food into his mouth. And he's just like... <laughs> talking. It's disgusting. It's fucking disgusting. I could barely make my way through it. I had to watch it with subtitles. So you didn't even let me point out which scene you hated. You just told me which scene you hated. It's too late. We got here already. Oh, okay. Well, I thought that I was supposed to like kind of gauge by your reaction. But anyway. Um, yeah, I could see how that would be annoying. But I would... I. This makes me think that this is something you hate in real life. It is. Yeah. So someone clacking with food in their mouth is something that if it happened in front of you, you would leave. It. Yeah. It is. It is a one of the only things in my life that I can think of that inspires like an irrational, to the moon like rage reaction that I can like barely control. For I don't don't don't, don't know why. It's so bad that I do it to myself. If I'm listening and I'm editing a podcast and I hear myself do this, I like become infuriated at myself. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, all of you people out there, you don't understand, but our original podcast that we used to do, I used to eat and <laughs> clack throughout the entire thing. I had no idea how it was affecting him. He was sitting there editing, probably like sweating, probably like listening to me do it, just like, no, you don't understand, Nathan. You need to stop. No, no, you don't understand. You need to. Because deep down, he's like just furious, just eating him alive. Uh, oh, that makes me want to make some food. Boom. Now we head straight over to the party at Lisa's house. Uh, Lisa exchanges like a look with her mom that's like, hey, mom, do you want to get dad the fuck out of here? So Lisa's mom goes and takes Lisa's dad and says, hey, let's go have some sex and takes him upstairs. And as soon as they're upstairs... And the light goes off in the bedroom. It's actual party time. Uh, the, the effect they're going for just doesn't play. Oh, like the music's music's too loud, and the party itself is too rambunctious. And it's too close. Like he would just come yeah. immediately come back outside and be like, "What the fuck? You guys stupid?" <laughs> and more than any of it, the window is open. Ooh, nice! I didn't notice who's that. De- whose decision was it to leave the parents' window open so that you can hear the booming music even more clearly? Mm-hmm. And have it be more obvious that your kids are going to get ridiculous. I mean, they do seem like they're condoning the fact that a party's going to happen. So I guess you could play off of that and say, well, they're just 
laid back, you know, swinger parents that are rich and carefree. Right. Whatever. All right, so now we're in the pool house where Jesse and Lisa are, you know, having an emotional conversation about, I guess, Jesse's psychological well-being lately. Mm-hmm. And then they start to make out, and then they're laying on the floor, and this is when Jesse, I thought we were going to see Lisa's boobs. I, th- mm. I thought we were getting some boob, maybe just like a nipple slip. But no, he perfectly cups those or awkwardly cups her breasts and then just kind of kisses the space between for like 90 seconds. His big fucked up Freddy Krueger tongue comes out, remember? Mm-hmm. Starts licking her up a little bit. He freaks out, puts his tongue back in his mouth, takes off. He's He's over the edge now. And then your favorite scene, Jesse bursts into Grady's room, mm-hmm. dropping himself onto Grady's sleeping body and covers his mouth. I rewound this scene and watched it twice. Oh. What the fuck, bro? <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, Robert Ressler's Oscar-winning moment. <laughs> yes, it is. The fuck, bro? Uh, see, yeah, Jesse is terrified. Yeah, yeah she won. Yeah. Yeah, she you, wants to get it on with you. Yeah, you're going to fuck her or what? You're going to fuck her? You're going to fuck me? <laughs> what the hell? He does kind of hit the nail on the head in this scene. He does say, like, uh, your girlfriend's over there and you want to hang out with me? Yeah, I know, but the lines are delivered awfully. Yeah. Poorly. You don't get to pick up on it enough. Either way, he's terrified, admits to killing Schneider to Grady. And really just wants Grady to fucking watch him sleep and to wake him up if anything weird happens. Mm-hmm. But he's doing it in such a frantic, psychotic way that if I was Grady, if I was his friend, I'd be like, get the fuck out of my house. Oh, for sure. You're goddamn right I'm not falling asleep. Especially when there's you... Some, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, especially when you point out that you're, you're like, uh, are you gay, dude? Like, your girlfriend's over there and you want to hang out with me? Are you gay? And then instead of your friend being like, no, I'm just freaked out by this nightmare, he goes, he clams up and gets mm-hmm. kind of like hesitant. And he's like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sweaty. I'm frantic. I'm talking psychotic. And I'm admitting to you that I think I killed someone. I think I, think I killed Coach Schneider. I think I oh, okay. killed him. I think I killed him. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just sleep there and yeah, whatever, dude. I'm just going to go to sleep. No big whoop. I think I snapped his ass to death with wet towels. The only thing I like about this scene is the Freddy part. The minute that Grady closes his eyes, Freddy, like, Jesse wakes up. Oh, yeah. Like, immediately. Like, like immediately. It's like, oh, just, just waiting. Just waiting. Just the power is now in, in Freddy's court. The minute that Grady falls asleep or closes his eyes, it's he's done. You know, the whole crazy nonsense where Freddy takes control of, like truly for the first time, commands the control over Jesse's body. Oh, yeah. Big time. Like in a big way. Big time, yeah. His hand, you know. Yeah. Ripping and blades and come out of his fingertips. Blades coming out of his fingertips and the eyeball inside of his mouth. Uh huh. His, his, his skin tearing away and revealing the yeah. sweater underneath. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. And then his face like sticking out of his his belly. 
and ripping like that actually doesn't look that bad no that like, looks good yeah, look pretty good yeah, yeah where where his torso kind of falls off as freddy stands up from behind yeah that looks it looks good and then um this is my actually my favorite part of the whole movie potentially that transformation scene where freddy stands up with the light behind him and the and the smile and he just looks you know they really did a good job of making him look picturesque this is his moment where he commands control over jesse and 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 breaks through into the real world like this is a great moment to to do that well and they they executed it very well and then he does a little indiana jones hat place oh, that's right yeah and tip of the hat you know and it's just it's like don't forget about and then, my fedora. And, and this is my my candidate for the best kill i don't i don't think there's really a conversation here i think this is the only kill that that's any good to be honest yeah, you don't even really the parents, see the parents. The parents are outside on the other side of the door, banging on the door. Yeah, Grady screams for his dad. Grady gets put up on the door, you know, held there by his neck, and and the blades go through his body, and oh, yeah. you get to see the, the the parents get to see their son dying from the other side, and it's yep, the blades coming through with uh, the blood trickling as well. It's not an amazing death, but just the the lead up to it. And the effect of using the parents on the outside of the door is is very creative. So I don't think there's much of a conversation. I think when we talk about how this stacks up, there's just this death and a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I I agree. It's an awesome. It is a one of the. It is one definitely one of the better scenes. He's all like overwhelmed by the awe of Freddy, and then the fear, and then the immediate death after Grady's body slumps against the ground. We look over. Freddy Krueger's in the mirror. It's Jesse standing there with the with the glove and blood all over him. Oh my God! What just happened? And then they have a little exchange, but Freddy and him, right? A little uh, back and forth, a little "Haha, you're mine now" sort of thing. Yeah, this is where the movie peaks, <laughs> and, af- and after this, it uh, it's all downhill after this. Right, because here, this is one of the worst scenes where i thought they should have taken a, a another take or two from jesse he bursts into lisa's house he's got blood all over him oh do you, do you know will the scene you i'm talking clean about clean him up will you <laughs> will you clean him up that is the first thing you do in in a movie where somebody walks in with blood oh you have blood all over you let me take care of you you're trying to nurture him right you take him to the bathroom yes and his hands that's are your, soaked they're twice as bloody first, as when he left grady's house it's your first fucking stop is the bathroom to clean off the blood or wiping your hands on your pants even if your hands were soaked in blood wouldn't you at least wipe them on your clothes yeah and it's and it's wet blood it hasn't cauterized or or hardened at all it's just sitting there mm-hmm wet as, as wet as it was when you left Grady. All so that you can use the nice, I've got blood on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Here, come and sit on my parents' couch covered in blood. That's a that's a part of the movies that piss me off, is that when, when directors and producers are sitting in their chairs telling people what to do, you know, they love all of the, yeah, yeah, like, you know, push forward, push forward. They don't think about the anal activities of the meticulous human mind and how there's like a good percentage of people out there, or maybe it's just me, that when a bloodied guy sits down on a couch, they're thinking about all the implications of that, you know? 
Like, oh shit, you're gonna ruin the couch. Oh yeah, no. E- How are you gonna get the blood out of the couch? The your mom's gonna be pissed. Yeah, about even the couch. a concerned person would be like, no, I, I get that you're panicking, but let me get a towel real quick. Yeah, like yeah, okay, you've got a dramatic moment here, but maybe don't sit on someone else's furniture with all your like have a little consideration. I know people's lives are at stake, but you know that looks like a nice piece of <laughs> of furniture. Right, like I think it killed great. I shut up and get in the shower. Get in the shower. <laughs> whoa, whoa, buddy, what are you doing sitting down on the couch? <laughs> I fucking raised you, but I think I killed. I don't give a shit who you killed. You know, what you just killed my couch. Are you born in a barn? At least let me put a towel down or something. Fuck, like the whole thing would have just changed conversation. Just like you, you killed what? Like Grady's dead? What are you talking about? What, you killed Schneider, too? What are you talking about? Yeah, there is blood all over your hands. Just calm down. We need to clean you up. Well, no, well, wait, don't sit down on the couch. Ah. What are you doing sitting on the couch? Ah. There's blood all over the place. <laughs> what are you doing? That's how that would go. Exactly. Okay. This is the climax, my friend. There is a lot not going on in these last few not scenes. Not for me. This is not the climax. All right. Yours, yours was the great death. Got it. Yeah, no, it peaks there because that's when they, you know, they, they really execute something well. And then after that, it's all downhill. This whole blood thing sitting on the couch, she's not really where she needs to be in terms of levels with acting. And then the fucking pool bullshit starts to happen. And it's almost like, I get it. All right. Freddy has taken control of him. He has, he has broken through into the real world using him as a vessel. And it's pretty much a free-for-all now. Like, all of the rules are out the window, and Freddy's just going to pee all over the place and do weird shit. Right. The pool starts to boil. The kids are screaming and running. Right, because he's like, oh, no, it's happening again. Jesse's freaking out. He's grabbing his stomach. He turns into Freddy Krueger. Freddy chases Lisa around the house, bites her leg, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of Freddy claiming that him and Jesse are one now. And that you can't reach Jesse. And then she tries to stab Freddy with the knife, but it doesn't do any damage because he's a nightmare creature. <laughs> right? And then his ungloved but still bladed hand chokes her. Jesse's will shines through for a second, taking over the body. And then he jumps through the back door and disappears into thin air. The partiers think it's over, but oh no, Freddy comes jumping out of a drainage grate to bring the party back. And this is, I had to like do so much careful rewinding and pausing to make sure that that I got the body count for this movie right. Yeah, well, yeah, there's fire and there's boiling water and there's people being trampled and they're, what... Like, some pretty lame death scenes, like some quick slashes of the hand and the falling body onto the ground. Like, I don't even know. Yeah, everyone's scared. Lisa's parents make it downstairs. Lisa's dad goes for a gun. And then outside, Freddy has everyone cornered. And one guy that's trying to be a fucking hero, he's like, hey, man, what do you... Just calm down, all right? What do you What do you need? And Freddy kills that guy. And which... When he throws his body, he, like, knocks over the barbecue or whatever, which releases, like, a big propane flame up in the air. And that's when he has that cool, like, arms out scene in front of the flames. He's like, you're all my children now. Just like, a, yeah, a cool it, scene that was in a, inside of a terrible scene. <laughs> I don't even think it was that cool. It, 
when when Freddy's you know doing his like lunging and when he's moving around, he doesn't it's... come across as scary. He comes he comes across small, scrawny, and not that ominous. Yeah, I when he stands up with light behind him and they make him picturesque and he puts on his hat, he looks badass then. When he's smirking with the shadow across his face. Yeah, he looks coolest when he's still. I agree to that. His movements are yeah. too terrestrial. Yeah, no, he looks like a monkey or something when he walks around. I'm, I'm, I was pulled out completely from this pool scene. I didn't, like, the even the kids, the way they responded to him when they were up against the fence. I mean, there's nothing holding them there. It's one guy, and he's, you know, walking around gangly. Like, come on. They would have been scrambling and running. They wouldn't have. Oh yeah, like, freak not, out! Yeah, they're not contained. Yeah, there's not enough freak out here. Like this, this Mark Patton kid went balls to the walls and brought himself to this thing, for better or for worse. Maybe a little bit too far because it impacts other scenes where it doesn't need to have the intensity that he brings to it. And um, you know, the rest of this, the, the cast in this film are just, you know, this is a, it's a piece of shit, Daniel. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, please reserve it judgment. Did, it, um, it did some interesting things, but it lost me at the end, okay? Right. I was totally lost. Which we're very close to. Let's see. Freddy's dad comes, or not Freddy's dad, Elisa's dad comes out with a shotgun, wildly misses, and Freddy hisses at him. That seemed really weirdly out of character. I'm going to say that that was Jesse shining through for a second. It's, yeah, Lisa stops her dad from taking a second shot, and Freddy escapes through his little, like, fire gateway. And then Lisa just takes off for the power plant because she assumes that that's where he'll go, where he might regain some of his strength or something. I'm surprised that her parents just let her take off after seeing a nightmare demon wreak havoc all over their house. Either way, she takes off down to the power plant, uh, comes into contact, or she, she takes the deadly dinosaur down to the power plant, comes into contact with another weird thing that I think another director would have cut out, which is the weird demon baby face dogs. Yeah, I got. I told you, man, this this fucking movie lost me at the end. All right, I don't. Yeah, okay. Well, she yeah, there's Why does she go there? There's no reason for her to go there. There's no reason for him to go there. Because that's where Freddy would go if he was, you know, on the run. No, that's where Freddy takes people in the first movie anyway. That's where he takes them in their dreams. He lures them there, but he doesn't ever go there physically, unless you're going to draw from the fact that because he tries to lure people there in his dreams because he lured children there in real life. Then once he breaks through into into the real world using Jesse as a vessel, that that's his instinct is to go back to his boiler room. Yes, it is but his instinct. Her, but for her to know that, I mean, you, you can go back to her whole playing off of the psychological de- deduction of the whole thing, I guess, and you can make it work if you want to. No, no you, you don't have but, to go that far to make it work. Yeah, he's an evil creature. The source of his evil is where he committed all of his crimes, which is the boiler room at the power plant. So that's where he would go to, like, see, suck, his, this you know, is, suck on his wounds. This is this is what pisses me off, is that we, we get to these moments where I'm like, it's obvious that this is thrown together, and you're like, no, 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 it's simple. You're just overthinking it. This makes perfect sense. And then I proceed to 
be disgusted with you and (laughs) (laughs) have trouble digesting the rest of the conversation. Okay. She makes her way past the baby face nightmare dogs. And then, you know, she's like working her way into the labyrinth of Freddy's evil. She's going... She's having a bunch of hallucinations. She thinks that her her Fred, the bite wound that Freddy gave her is infested, but it's not. She sees a demon rat, and the demon rat gets eaten by a demon cat. And then she thinks that she's falling off of one of those catwalks, but then she's just hallucinating, and she's fine. And then out comes Freddy. Yeah, she's traversing his lair, and there's a lot of dream-related subconscious weird shit going on. Mm-hmm. Because she's verging on the, you know, the edge between reality and dreaming. She does. She has to risk her sanity to save her boyfriend. Oh, beautiful. How deep. (laughs) So she's pleading. Freddy's cornering her. He's being creepy, walking slow. She's desperate. And then finally, she declares her love for Jesse. Jesse's girl. And suddenly, Freddy's wound starts bleeding. He's visibly weakened. Lisa keeps it up. She keeps luring Jesse back. I love you, Jesse. I love you. And the more that she claims it, the more that Freddy is forced to relinquish control of Jesse's body until Lisa kisses Freddy's open mouth. Don't remind me. And the power plant sets on fire, and Freddy sets on fire, and he melts, and he's dead. This is such a bullshit ending. But then the flames dwindle out, and Freddy starts to move again. Oh, I can't do this. This is crap. But it's Jesse it's making peeling away the burnt flesh. It's making me squirm. I can't do it. Of his once used vessel, exposing his face, and they lovingly embrace. Daniel. This is bullshit. (laughs) I can't handle it. It's not. No. This is the total violation. (laughs) You don't. This is. When did this become about love and, you know, breaking through Freddy with love? (laughs) Come on. You know, you turn your back on Freddy. All right. Do I need to bring up Glenn again? Oh, Glenn. Glenn fought to the end. You know, he didn't give him the fear belief. It's obvious to me that Jesse's girl is feeding the existence of Freddy. She's reaffirming his existence. So what power does she have over him? She's got to turn her back on him, not kiss him. What the fuck is that? See, Nancy Nancy weakens Freddy Krueger... By defying FB. And then Lisa breaks through the FB with love. There are many paths to the same goal, Nathan. This is probably the thing that brought Wes Craven back. This whole end bit right here. Oh, I have no doubt. I have no Maybe doubt. Craven was with it a little bit for the first you know, hour or so, but... When this shit happened, he must have been like, okay, no, this is crap. What the <laughs> fuck are you... You're kissing him? 
<laughs> it's a, I can see like Wes Craven, like he has he has paid no attention to the filming or the production or anything of the second movie. He kind of spites it a little bit, purposely been ignoring it. And then after the release, his girlfriend just bursts into the room with the tape already to the end scene. And she's like, no, no, you need to see this. <laughs> Get me Robert Shea on the phone. Yeah, I'm coming back for three. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, last scene, we're back on the bus that we were on at the very beginning. Jesse gets on. He's a little, uh, he looks good. You know, no one really seems to mind that uh, Jesse probably murdered a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when I watched the very end scene with the bus, I was uh, still very angry over the whole pool slash ridiculous, you know, love story ending that um, I was pretty sarcastic, man. I was laying it down. I was like, oh, it's just fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, no problems. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we're back. Everything's back to normal. Hunky dory. Everybody's totally happy about it. Back in the good old pre-forensic days. hand comes penetrating out of that slut's body. Oh, yeah. No, Jesse... riding through the desert in the bus again. That's right. Jesse's freaking out, thinking that it's a nightmare again. But then it's okay. You know? It's okay. It's not actually a nightmare again. It's all over, Jesse. And then, boom, the fucking slut gets it right at the end. It's a nightmare. We're off to the races. Freddy's not dead, motherfuckers. (laughs) But it's all a dream anyway. Maybe. Who knows? I don't think the writer cared. Yeah, it's all left in esoteric vagueness. That's how a lot of horror movies are. They get to the end, they're like, you figure it out. Yeah, well, the first one ended that way, too. Kinda, yeah. And you gotta just... And that was half the fun. Assume now, because of the exposition that they feed you for this movie that Nancy went insane and you know she was trapped inside of the dream world and and her struggle continued our whole theory about her gaining power over him and being his nemesis up to this point is no longer true because it's you know said it's obvious that she went nuts and now Jesse's going nuts and he's going to continue to go nuts you don't escape Freddy. No, you don't. Freddy wins. That's that's what the message is here. There is no happy ending. Just tell us what you want, all right? Okay, I'm here to help you. Help yourself, fucker! But let's, let's finish this up proper, Nathan. How does it stack? Sex, none. None. Friday the 13th is dominant. That's right. We're three movies into these double sagas, and there is only one actual sex scene. But let's be honest. This was a unique um, a unique film in terms of being written from a homosexual perspective and being performed from a homosexual perspective and showing a lot of male ass and... Not really giving you much else. No, so, that's that's our only okay. nudity. It's Jesse's ass there is, and there Coach is Snyder's ass. A, that's it. There is no sex scene in the movie at all. Nope. There's attempts. You get side boob from Lisa when Jesse is suckling her breast valley. Mm-hmm. And you get uh, Carrie the slut is in the pool with some random dude that she met right then and there. And they're making out. And she's topless, and her top floats by in the pool, but you don't get to see any of her breasts. 
Mm-hmm. That's it. There's nothing else. And then, of course, the implied bondage child rape. <laughs> Tropes? Kind of anti-tropey, or at least rebelliously tropey. A male scream queen? Trying, Not very often. I, I, I get what he was trying to do. Like this, when I, when I summarize this movie, I say, you know, an hour and a half long movie where an hour of it tried to point you towards a purpose you know where it tried to do something creative something anti-horror you know they, there was very limited trope use the only tropiness is really the waking up in a cold sweat pretty much is the dominant trope of the movie i really think any other troping is i'm either missing it or it's a stretch so i'm gonna say limited trope use yeah let's say limited trope use but flagrant abuse of uh sweaty waking up mm-hmm yeah this definitely gets the uh sweaty waking up from a dream award <laughs> yeah. although this 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 whole series is kind of about that isn't it like that's its its thing that's true waking yeah up, waking up from a dream is kind of got this this series corners that whole thing yes so you could almost have a an award at the end of the nightmare on elm street uh, <laughs> best Kruger sweaty series. wake up Best sweaty wake up, and it's got to probably come from this one, but we'll see. Yeah, well, this one for sure is Jesse, since he's the only one sweatily waking up. Oh, yeah, but he does a good job, and there's many to choose from. Yeah, there are. So at the end, we'll go through all of them, all of the sweaty (laughs) wake-up Every single one. Uh, We're Mm -hmm. having a separate podcast where we go into depth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Creative Kills, there's only one, and it's, uh, it's Grady. Okay. And I don't think you have an argument. What are you going to tell me? The guy that they trample against the fence? <laughs> uh, no, I think I might be with you on, on Grady's... I don't... Man, getting your ass swatted by wet towels to death? That's... Uh... You're going to go with Coach Schneider? Well, no, I'm just looking at you're what else is available bring, here. You're going to bring Coach Schneider into this? Come on. That has all of the homosexual masochistic stuff going on so if that's your choice then you're bringing up a lot of other side topics okay don't start reading there we're focusing on creative kills don't jesse walsh me not creative kills slash homosexual insinuation scenes right right but no my 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 issue with the grady death is that his death itself is not really that spectacular the transformation from jesse's body is awesome i love that but yeah, mm-hmm. I probably end up having to go there anyways. But you want to take a guess at what the actual death count in this movie is? Five. Ten. What? There are ten. I was very, very careful about this. Okay, but they're all kids at this pool. Like, there's nothing else. There's the Coach Snyder, Grady, and kids at the pool. Right? There's nothing else. Right. And it took a long time to figure that out. Right? So you got Coach okay. Snyder. But there's eight people that die at the party? Yeah. How much of it is assumption? Uh, not very. I didn't. Uh, there was one that I had to assume, and I think I left that one off. But there's Coach Snyder and Grady. Those are the two like, you know, lengthy deaths that we get to see. Then, yeah, man, they really zero in on the whole anxiety-based, um, you know, in-depth relationship between Freddy and and using a vessel and and you know, partnering reality and dream world. They really try to go somewhere creative with this. They and do. You can pool, see you can see the effort to make it a different film. 
Yeah. The the pool scene is their, you know, orchestral celebration of, of horror death to to make it a horror movie, I guess. Yeah. And a little weak if that's gonna be your orchestral climax. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that scene needed to have punch and they fucking failed. Right. So let me just zoom through these. Take us out. Number death number three. Freddy slashes the throat of a boy um, that's who tries to talk him down. No, no, that's that's this before that. That tries that it's okay. like grabbing a hold of the chain link fence. He turns around. Freddy sh- uh, slashes his throat. He's the first to go when Freddy shows up outside. Then the pool starts to boil, and a girl is like shoved in by accident by somebody running by, and then a boy trips and falls into the pool, and then the pool sets on fire. You're assuming they're dead. So they're four and five. You're assuming it. Right. Well, they fall in a boiling pool, and then the entire pool sets on fire. I think it's a pretty good idea. I didn't have to stretch very far. You don't see their dead bodies. And then uh, six, there's a girl who's climbing a fence, and then a big blast of fire knocks her off the fence. And then when she falls down, she's consumed by fire on the ground. Um, seven, the boy trampled by the fleeting mob that you mentioned earlier. Eight, Freddy guts a boy that runs past him. Nine, Freddy slices the negotiator boy's throat. Ten, Freddy rips through the slut's chest. So ten makes it equivalent with Friday the 13th. That's on the the bus at the end in Dreamworld that may or may not be real. Right. I did did put question marks And the two kids that fall into the pool, you don't see their dead bodies. Well, we'll assume that falling into boiling water that then also redundantly sets on fire... I'm saying that you can't put I bet they it at wish the same level as Friday the 13th's body count because there isn't as much um, certainty with the deaths. Okay, so 7 to 10. Yeah, you, you do. You have to do a range, I think. I don't think you can guarantee some of these deaths without a, a corpse. Okay. I think, I think there should be a rule. I think there should be a rule that corpse equals death. Okay, well, that wraps it up for our visit to part two of the Kruger Saga and I'm Aaron Elm Street, part two Freddy's Revenge. Next week we'll be jumping into the next installment in the Friday the 13th series simply called part two. Get yourself prepared for that. Otherwise, check us out at 100lunatics.squarespace.com. That's 100 lunatics written out with letters. You can talk to me directly through Twitter at 100 lunatics. That's 100 the number or talk to Nathan directly at I hate did you ever see a dream? She lost the girl that you had so much pride in. You wanted to close your locker and kiss her. You wanted to feel up Heather's Langing camp. <laughs> Don't you dare talk about her like that. <laughs> she lost, man. You know, Daniel. This movie. Total. Total piece of shit. Well, I did. Did you ever see heaven right in your arms? Saying, I love you, I do. Well, the dream that was walking and the dream that was talking and the heaven in my arms was you.